Book two, chapter eight of Henrietta, volume one by Charlotte Lennox. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter eight containing nothing either new or extraordinary miss courtney after having traversed her chamber several times in great restlessness of mind at length resolved to take a hackney coach and drive to mr damer's supposing she should know from his clerks or servants the exact time when he was expected home at least they could give her a direction where to write him and it would be some comfort to acquaint him with her situation and have his advice she had no sooner formed this design than she hastened to put it into execution and having made a slight alteration in her dress she went down to mrs eccles and desired her to send her a maid for a coach telling her she was obliged to go into the city upon business and desired her not to wait for her at dinner mrs eccles assisted upon waiting till four o'clock at least and attended her to the door less out of complaisance than to hear where she ordered the coachman to drive for the inquietude irresolution and pensiveness which she discovered in her fair lodger extremely heightened her curiosity to know her affairs henrietta though she did not suspect the motive of her officiousness yet not thinking it proper to let her know where she was going only bid the coachman drive to st paul's churchyard and when there she gave him a fuller direction alas sighed she when the coach stopped before the great gates of her guardian's house were the hospitable master of this mansion at home here should i find a secure asylum as soon as the servant appeared she asked if mr damer was at home that she might with greater propriety introduce her farther inquiries but it was most agreeably a surprise to hear him answer her in the affirmative while he opened the coach door however she ordered the coachman to wait and then followed the servant who introduced her into a large parlour and retired to acquaint his master with her being there immediately a young gentleman of an engaging appearance entered the room and desired to know her commands henrietta seeing instead of her guardian a young man whom she was quite a stranger to blushed at first but a more painful sense of her disappointment soon spread a paleness over her fair face is not mr damer at home sir said she in an accent that showed her concern my business was with him my father madam said the young gentleman is in holland from whence i came myself but lately he has affairs to settle there which will detain him three or four weeks but cannot i serve you madam added he his voice becoming insensibly softer while he gazed on a form which it was not possible to behold without some sensibility pray let me know it will give me great pleasure if i can be in the least degree useful to you i shall be obliged to you sir replied miss courtney if you will forward a letter from me to mr damer tis a great unhappiness to me that he is abroad at this time he is my guardian and at present i have need of his advice and assistance pardon me madam said young mr damer is not your name courtney it is sir replied she dear miss said he looking on her with a tender sympathy i wish my father was at home since you wish so and yet perhaps all parents are alike added he after a pause and sighing they are too apt to imagine that happiness consists in riches but are you in a place of safety miss are you sure you are in no danger of being discovered i wish it was in my power to offer you an asylum but bless me sir interrupted henrietta in great astonishment you seem to be perfectly well acquainted with my situation yes madam said mr damer i know something of your affairs and from my soul i approve of your courage and resolution a gentleman named danvers was here yesterday to inquire for you your aunt's chaplain is he not 
"'Yes, sir,' replied Miss Courtney. "'And my persecutor. "'But what did he say? "'I suppose he represented me in strange colours. "'You need only to be seen, madam,' said Mr. Damer, "'to undeceive the most prejudiced. "'Yet what he said was not disadvantageous to you, "'unless,' added he with a soft smile, "'you think it a fault to have a tender heart.' "'Ah, the wretch!' interrupted Miss Courtney, not able to contain her indignation. "'I see he has been propagating falsehoods injurious to my reputation, after having poisoned the mind of my aunt with suspicions that were the cause of my losing her affection. He is endeavouring to deprive me of every friend I have in the world. But this, sir, is the plain truth. He suggested, as I have no reason to doubt, a preposterous match for me to my aunt. I rejected it.' he found means to persuade my aunt that i listened privately to the addresses of some man who was an improper husband for me my aunt in order to prevent my ruin as she supposed insisted upon my accepting the person she had chosen for me and upon my obstinate refusal was prevailed upon by her chaplain to resolve to confine me in a nunnery abroad I had intelligence of this design, and I secretly left my aunt's house to prevent her executing it. But I am so far from having any secret engagement, that if I could be sure my aunt would not pursue her scheme of entrapping me in a convent, I would instantly return, and bind myself by the most solemn oaths never to marry any one whom she does not approve. You see, sir, proceeded Miss Courtney, what need I have of your father's assistance, he is my only friend and protector. Through his mediation, I might expect to be restored to the good opinion of my aunt. Well, madam, said Mr. Damer, if you will write to him, I will take care of your letter, and if it be ready to-morrow, I will attend to you myself for it. I hope you have no objection to my knowing where you are, in my father's absence. I shall be proud to act as your guardian. Though he has had the happiness of knowing you longer, yet his concern for your interest cannot be greater than mine shall i wait on you to-morrow morning miss added he henrietta by his manner of urging this request and his frequently casting his eye towards the door as if afraid of some interruption concluding that she detained him from business of more importance rose up immediately and giving him a direction to her lodgings by the name of benson told him she would have her letter ready but asked if it would not come safe and close to him by the penny post being unwilling she said to give him the trouble of coming for it i beg madam said he as he took her hand to lead her to the coach that you will believe i can have no greater pleasure than that of serving you it is necessary that i should have an opportunity of talking to you at leisure that i may know how i can be further useful to you having helped her into the coach he bowed low and retired hastily with such an expression of tender concern on his countenance as any woman less free from vanity than miss courtney would not have failed to observe but she was making no other reflections on his behaviour than that he was more polite than persons usually are who are bred up to business congratulated herself on having found a friend through whom she could securely correspond with her guardian and receive his advice so that she might now consider herself as being under his immediate care and direction though absent a circumstance that greatly alleviated her uneasiness mrs eccles who had waited dinner for her longer than had been agreed on expressed great pleasure at seeing her look so cheerful to be sure said she you have heard some unexpected good news i am heartily glad of it well now i hope you will have more spirits henrietta smiled but made no answer for an ingenuous mind can only evade indiscreet curiosity by silence 
the cloth was scarce removed when the young lord who had now taken possession of his apartment in mrs eccles's house came into the parlour henrietta immediately rose up to retire to her own chamber when he starting back and standing at the door as if to obstruct her passage i came said he mrs eccles to beg you would make me a dish of coffee but since my presence drives this young lady away i will go upstairs again oh by no means my lord said mrs eccles i am sure miss benson will not let you think so you are not going miss are you added she turning to henrietta i have letters to write said the young lady that will take me up the whole afternoon well said my lord i will drink no coffee then for unless you stay miss i shall be persuaded that my coming has driven you away let me entreat you pursued he entering and leading her to a chair to allow me the pleasure of drinking a dish of coffee with you you will have time enough afterwards to write your letters miss courtney who was willing to avoid the appearance of singularity sat down again though with some reluctance telling his lordship that she would not be the means of disappointing him of his coffee but that she must insist upon being permitted to withdraw in half an hour having business of consequence upon her hands the young nobleman gave little attention to what she said but gazed on her with an earnestness that threw her into some confusion the milliner going out of the room to give orders about the coffee he began in most vehement language to declare passion for her and called in the assistance of poetry to express his admiration of her charms henrietta who in her own character would have treated this manner of address with ridicule and contempt thought it became her in her present circumstances to resent it seriously therefore rising with some signs of indignation she told him that since his lordship thought proper to entertain her with such kind of discourse she would immediately retire my lord who saw she was angry in good earnest was excessively afraid of her leaving him therefore taking her hand which he forcibly held till he had sealed a vow upon it with his lips that he would not say another word to offend her he brought her back to her seat which upon seeing mrs eccles enter she resumed the conversation then took another turn but henrietta was too much chagrined to mix in it with any degree of cheerfulness besides the party seemed to her to be but ill-assorted a nobleman a milliner and a young woman in obscure circumstances her delicacy was shocked and all the politeness she was mistress of was scarce sufficient to hinder her from showing how much she was displeased with herself and her company as soon as the tea equipage was removed she looked at her watch and seeming apprehensive that she should not have time enough to write her letters she withdrew with such precipitation that they had no opportunity to solicit her longer stay this is a strange girl said the young lord throwing himself into his chair from whence he had risen to return the hasty compliment she made at her departure but divinely handsome who can she be i vow to god i believe i shall be in love with her in earnest have you made no discovery yet mrs eccles pursued he there is certainly some mystery in the case and a love mystery it must be for women are not even faithful to their own secrets unless an amour is the business and then they are impenetrable your lordship may be sure said mrs eccles that i have spared no pains to discover who she is but she is excessively reserved and talks so little that there is no probability of entrapping her yet i think there is one way by which your curiosity may be satisfied your lordship has seen a gay flighty lady with her of whom she is very fond What? that ugly creature said my lord that fastened upon me in your shop do you mean her is miss benson fond of that thing 
"'Oh, very fond,' replied Mrs. Eccles. "'They were shut up together four hours this very morning.' "'Then depend upon it, she is the confidant,' said his lordship. "'Oh, I guess your scheme. You would have me bribe her.' "'Bribe her, my lord?' repeated Mrs. Eccles. "'She seems to be a woman of some fashion. I dare say you would affront her extremely by offering her a bribe.' "'I am very sure,' interrupted his lordship, "'that she will not be able to resist the bribe I shall offer her. I will flatter her, my dear Mrs. Eccles, till I not only become master of all her friend's secrets, but even her own. But how shall I get an opportunity of talking to her alone?' "'I will engage,' said Mrs. Eccles, "'that it will not be long before she is here again, and—' If your lordship should happen to be below when she comes, I fancy you would not find it difficult to detain her a little while from her friend. Well, said my lord, I leave it to you to manage this interview for me. When I know who this Miss Benson is, I can make my approaches accordingly. But when do you expect her downstairs again? Not till supper-time, said Mrs. Eccles. She is never weary of being alone. "'Ah, that is a bad sign,' said he. "'I doubt I have a rival. "'Well, I will look upon you at ten o'clock. "'Perhaps I may find her with you.' Mrs. Eccles, assuring him she would engage her till that time, if possible, he went away humming an opera air, but with less vacuity of thought than usual, Miss Benson being so much in his head that if he had been accustomed to reflection he would have concluded she was in his heart also, and that he was in love with her in earnest.' Henrietta, in the meantime, was employed in writing her letter to Mr. Damer, to whom she gave a faithful account of all that had happened to her, and earnestly entreated his good offices towards effecting a reconciliation between her aunt and her. The inconveniencies she saw herself exposed to in her present situation made her so desirous of this happy event that her letter was almost a continued repetition of solicitations for that purpose. She begged him, in case he did not return to England, to write to her aunt and endeavor to soften her, assuring him that she pretended to no greater liberty than what an obedient daughter might expect from a parent, being resolved to obey her will in everything, provided she might not be compelled to marry the old baronet, nor confined in a nunnery with a view to the change of her religion. She expressed her satisfaction in the polite behavior of his son to her, whom she would consider, she said, as her guardian in his absence, and would take no step without his advice and concurrence. She had finished her letter long before the milliner's usual hour of supper, but being resolved to go down no more that evening, she spread letters and papers upon the table, as if she still continued extremely busy. Mrs. Eccles, upon entering her chamber to know if she was ready for supper, found her with a pen still in her hand, and was a good deal mortified to hear her say that having dined so late she would not sup that night, but would finish her letters before she went to bed. Mrs. Eccles did not think proper to press her, for extreme reserve inspired her with a kind of awe that made her cautious of giving her the least disgust, and Henrietta, taking leave of her at her chamber door for the night, she went away in great concern for the disappointment his lordship would meet with. It was indeed a very mortifying disappointment to him, for his impatience to see Miss Courtney had brought him back much sooner than he had intended, and Mrs. Eccles, when she came downstairs, found him already in her parlour. When he heard the young lady's resolution not to appear again that night, he took an unceremonious leave of his complacent landlady, and joined his company again at White's, wondering to find himself in so ill and humour, on so slight an occasion, that dice and burgundy were scarce sufficient to call off his thoughts from this coy unknown, whom yet he did not despair of gaining. End of Book 2, Chapter 8